Good morning, Senator. How are you? Very good. So wanted to ask you right off the bat, uh, you've had some time off recently, uh, s- a surgery, and I just want to ask how things are going and how are you feeling right now? Well, you know, I had kind of a rough month. I had to have a portion of my lung removed in August uh, related to uh, the assault that occurred a couple of years ago, but I'm on the mend and getting a little stronger every day. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Well, we've obviously been praying for you and and, and wishing you well in your recovery, sir. Thank you. All right. So I want to move really quick. Uh, I, I saw a story recently where you've been, uh, you know, bringing around the penny plan uh, to constituents and also local leaders in D.C. I want to ask how that's going, and I want to revisit what that is real quick for the listeners. Well, basically, it's interesting. Um, most people say, oh, how could we ever balance a budget? We're a trillion dollars in debt. Every year, we're 22, almost $23 trillion total in debt. How could we do it? Would it take dramatic cuts? So we've looked at the math on this, and for several years, if you cut 1% from last year's spending and did it for five years, the budget would balance. Now, we haven't done it for the past five years, so now it's up to about two cents on every dollar. But still, most people, when you tell them, whether they're in Bowling Green or Southern Kentucky or whether they're in Northern Kentucky, you say, well, do you think the government could live with 1% or 2% less, and that means they'd spend 98 99% of what they spent last year? Do you think we could get by on that? Almost everybody says yes. So the public, I think, is very open to it. When you tell people in Washington that, they're like, oh, no, we could never cut any spending. We're only elected because we pass out goodies to people. And I say, well, you know, you're borrowing it from China to pass it out. Is that really a good idea? But I don't know. The the, the prevailing sort of uh, sense of things in Washington is that you can just keep passing out goodies no matter what the debt is. Deficits don't matter. And I just disagree completely with that. So each year for the last several years, I've been promoting this uh, penny plan budget, uh, which reduces spending this year by two pennies, so 2%, but it would balance the budget within five years. Uh, That sounds amazing. Uh, How are things going when you've been presenting this to leaders in D.C. and, of course, here in South Central Kentucky? Good response? Um, From the public, yes. Uh, From the government, not so much. Uh, No Democrats support it, and the the Democrats are pretty adamant that they're fine with deficits and fine with spending. They just, you know, if you watch the presidential debates on the Democrat side, they just want to pass out more stuff, free education, free health care, everything's free. But in reality, they never really discuss that you have to either go massively in debt or raise taxes to pay for it. So no Democrats support the penny plan. On the Republican side, Most Republicans say they care about the deficit, but uh, when it comes to voting, we get somewhere between 15 and 20 Republicans who will support uh, the penny plan. Okay. Um, I saw on your uh, Senate website that you released this past uh, July the, the uh, the waste report which uh, I was reading it this morning, actually, over $50 billion in waste that you've indicated. Uh, Can you just touch on this report? And, I mean, how flabbergasting is this that this is going on? It's amazing that it's going on. It's been going on a long time. I'll give you one example. A half a million dollars was spent studying whether or not if you take selfies uh, of yourself while smiling, if that will make you feel better and make you happier. (laughs) Half a million bucks. I mean, is that not crazy? But the group that does this is a group called the National Science Foundation. Well, we've been giving them money since the 70s, and they've been doing these really, really dumb studies since the 1970s. In fact, 
William Proxmire was a conservative Democrat in the 70s, and he used to give out something called the Golden Fleece Award. One of his first awards he gave out was to the National Science Foundation for spending $50,000 to discover what made people happy. Forty-some-odd years later, they're still doing it. The same agency is still doing it. Now they're trying to discover whether selfies make you happy. And here's the problem. It never gets better because we always give them more money. So my prescription for this is you got, if people are wasting money, give them less money, and they'll have to uh, be more judicious in finding you know, true uh, research projects. The other idea I've had for this, with particularly with uh, research into medical cures and things, is I think every committee that dispenses money should have someone from one of the big five diseases, and these might be diabetes, cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, Basically, you put one from the big five on every committee, and so when they have a half a million dollar grant that they're studying whether or not to give it to study selfies and happiness, maybe somebody from the diabetes uh, wing says, hmm, maybe we could spend that half a million dollars looking for a cure for diabetes that affects, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the country, and it wouldn't be this silly study. And then maybe all of a sudden they'd be shamed into not doing these things. But instead, right now, all the people who want to study happiness are on the committee approving the grant. So you got five other egg-headed researchers studying happiness that are approving the grant for this guy. And then next week, the guy that gets the grant is going to be on the same committee voting on a grant for these other people. So it's really incestuous, and it's been going on for years. And yeah, frankly, somebody ought to do something about it. And it really frustrates me that um, most of the legislators up here just don't care. And, you know, the, the report is pretty self-explanatory on, on how we're wasting money. But one thing that really jumped out to me in this report was the billions paid out for Medicare in improper payments. Would, would you have a comment for that as well? Well, this is a, a big and longstanding problem also. And it's, you know, once uh, it's the government's money, nobody seems to care. You know, so it's kind of like the doctor doesn't care, the patient doesn't care. Nobody really cares because... When you go to the doctor, there's a very minimal sort of copay if you're on, on Medicare, and then they just bill whatever. And so what happens is there's this uh, syndrome of people just, you know, billing, 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 charging, 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 and a lot of it's because the consumer's not paying for it. You know, it's kind of like this. When you go to the get a heart surgery and you get your bill and it's $2 million and insurance pays for most of it or the government pays for most of it, and you look and you say, gosh, they charged me $50 for mouthwash, but my copay was $20 for the whole thing. Why do yeah. I care? So that's what sort of happened is it's because we have divorced the consumer or the patient. They don't have skin in the game. They don't care about the prices. So the people charging tend to ramp up the charges. The other reason this happens is there's this crossover thing where doctors and hospitals say, well, 30% of our people aren't paying anything. So we've got to overcharge the other 70% yeah. to pay for the 30%. And uh, I think we could fix a lot of this by trying to get more capitalism, more consumerism in medicine. And so I'm kind of the opposite of the Democrats. They want to take away private insurance and give you government insurance. I actually want to let consumers band together into association groups to drive prices down and get the consumer more involved with health care and give the consumer more power. And finally, you know, the, the scope of the whole problem that we're talking about here, the, the wasteful spending, uh, w for this particular report that you put out, what, what solutions are you proposing to prevent this from ever happening again? One, people have to give, be given less money. So we could go to every one of these wasteful things and say, oh, we're going to have new rules so you waste less money. 
But the bottom line is, if you give someone less money, they'll waste less. So if you make $50,000 a year, uh, you'll spend the 50000 But if I, if next year you're going to get $45,000 a year, guess what? You're going to find $5,000 you're going <laughs> to save pretty quickly, yeah. and you'll cut out the things you need the least. Same with government. But the problem is, is ever since this has started in the modern era of government, almost no agency's ever gotten less money than they got the year before. And this includes the Pentagon. Everybody gets more money, and so everybody's more wasteful. Everybody complains about it, and they'll say, well, why did the Pentagon spend $700 for a hammer? And uh, But then they give the Pentagon 10% more money the next year or 15% more money. I mean, the military budget has uh, been growing more rapidly than almost any other part of the discretionary budget. And yet there still are examples of waste even in the military. Well, I'm glad that you're keeping an eye on this, and I'm sure the constituents are glad that you've got an eye on this and, and are trying to find ways to, to curb this or get rid of it. Uh, I would like to move on to an event that you held at the end of August, the uh, the Service Academies event that you held to 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 encourage more uh, students to join military academies. Now, I know that that event is already over, but would you like to maybe touch on how they can contact you and maybe be a part of those academies if they wish to make a career out of the military? Yeah, this is an exciting time because you meet a lot of young uh, men and women who really want to join our academies and be uh, some of the leaders in uh, both our military and in society in the next generation. They're usually kids that are good students. They're involved in sports and band and student government and a lot of extracurricular activities. But these are our best and brightest. And uh, so they come together, and our office specializes in connecting them to the academies. We have speakers from each of the you know, Air Force Academy, Army, Navy, uh, Coast Guard. They all come, and they give presentations, and then our office actually is involved with the nominating process. So people have to fill out an application. Our staff is there to explain how they do it. Their parents come with them. It's sort of, for many of them, their first interaction with our office. If they didn't come to that and somebody out there is listening and says, hey, my son or daughter would like to go to one of the academies, all they have to do is call our Bowling Green office. And mm-hmm. I don't have the number in front of me, but uh, our Senate office is in, on uh, State Street, and they can – Come by, knock on the door, or they can uh, look it up and, and information and give us a phone call, and we'll have packets and things that we can hand out to them about them. But it's something we take a great pleasure in involving in. We have a, a board of volunteers of people who are uh, in the military who give us advice on looking through the applications, And uh, but it's an exciting thing we do every year. I'd like to fill in that blank for you really quick. By the way, paul.senate.gov, you can also call 270 270- Seven eight two eight three zero three. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. Finally, Senator, I would just like to, at the end of every segment that you and I do, uh, I always give you that time to t- talk to the constituents of South Central Kentucky of what's on your mind right now. One thing I would say is let's don't get consumed with bad news. The economy is doing the best it's ever done in my lifetime. Poverty worldwide is at its lowest ebb. The world income is growing, and really this is the, the difference between the right and left right now. The left says when, somebody, when your friend or colleague gets rich, you get poor. It's really not true. We're all getting wealthier and wealthier. Worldwide poverty in the 19th century was up around 90%. It's now under 10%. Oh, so worldwide, wow. we're doing a great thing. Every day, 137,000 people get lifted up out of extreme poverty. 
So there's a lot of good news. Unemployment's low in Kentucky. Tax reductions have helped jobs. So I think there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I think people just need to be aware of that really this is the best of times. Okay, Senator Rand Paul on our State of the State segment. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, I hope you recover very nicely in the next few weeks. All right. Thanks for having me.